All right, this week on One More Pass, we talk about Rob's Saints getting trounced by the Eagles. Rob is not happy about that. He is over Taysom Hill. We talk to National Sports Radio host and the voice of the National Predators, Willie Donick. That is a great interview that we have with him. He's so much fun. And pod damn it. One more pass. Let's go. All right, and welcome back to the One More Pass podcast. You can follow us at One More Pass on Instagram, at One More Pass on Twitter. Send us an email. We still haven't got one email yet. Still so bummed. That email is one more pass pod at gmail.com. Hopefully, we will get one email before Christmas time. I think that's our Christmas wish to Santa this year. But uh, speaking about Santa, Rob, do you have any Christmas wishes for Santa Claus this year? I do, actually. Uh, what, I want what's one to come back. <laughs> that's that's all. I, yeah, preferably by before uh, Sunday, <laughs> right? That's all I want. Joey, what are you asking for from uh, Santa this year? All I want for Christmas is our Drew's ribs to heal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I want I want Thursday night football to not affect my fantasy football team the way <laughs> yeah. it did. Same. I guess I'll settle uh, everybody taking the vaccine and us going back to work in 2021. I would settle for that too. Yeah, that'd be great. I think that's my Christmas wish this year. Back to work 2021. Um, yes. It's really not too much to ask for. I guess we'll see what happens with that. But speaking about vaccines and going back to work, Joey, was Scotty McCreary working this week? Uh, he was working. Um, and by working, I w- watched an old performance of ours uh, <laughs> on the DVR from eight years ago. Is that the one where Brent asked you if you dyed your hair? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, that made me, that was my highlight of the week. I don't think it could be a pod, damn it, because it was just sad and hurt my feelings. But uh, yeah, so took a trip down memory lane and did that. And then uh, they did air our we, we our performance on the Today Show. Went pretty well. Oh, yeah. It looked and sounded pretty good. It was pretty entertaining watching those back to back. We've all aged a bit in eight years, as one does. <laughs> Because it should look and sound good. You recorded it a few weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Rob, where was Brad Paisley this past week? Uh, I don't know where Brad was. I'm assuming at his, uh, <laughs> his, uh, his compound out in uh, Williamson County. But uh, I was home. I was home uh, just doing home stuff. Watch, I got to watch some football, which was good. Catch up on some of my stories as well. But yeah, no, no, no Paisley train this weekend, surprisingly enough. Yeah, nice. He, he, didn't, he didn't text me and ask me if I wanted to go fishing or anything, so I'm assuming he was busy. <laughs> he didn't have you helping, helping hang Christmas lights or anything? No, didn't get that call. Maybe next, maybe next year. <laughs> 2021 Christmas. Yeah. Rob Mitchell, Brad Paisley, just uh, two peas in a pod, the two best friends that anybody could have. Yeah, Kyle. How about you? I, I noticed for the for the listeners that can't see you, uh, you rearranged your your studio area, podcast studio area, podcast studio slash high end drum recording studio. Yeah. Uh, did you cancel? You had to cancel all your sessions this week. Uh, yeah, I did. I yeah, like I had to move everything around. Uh, just uh, just mentally, I just needed to change. And uh, yeah, we're just changing. We're just changing this bottom room up. So I personally think it looks better. And there's a few more things that I need that I need to do to it, but. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's definitely, it, it, just from where I can see from here, it's definitely up to code for a, a very standard Nashville area beat lab. I think you've, <laughs> you've, you've kept up to code. Uh, yes, I did. Like it's not a converted garage or it's not a bonus room above the garage <laughs> that I turned into a, a drum studio for myself. Yes. Kyle's dojo. Welcome to <laughs> Kyle's closet. Let's work. Kyle's dun- drum dojo beat lab whatever you want to call it. As you can tell, I was off again this week as well. But uh, yeah, hopefully in 2021, we can uh, go back. Yeah, we have a good show for you guys today. We have Willie Donick coming up. We're so pumped to talk to him. Uh, that was such such a great interview that we had. So we're pumped with him and pumped for y'all to hear that. But uh, yeah, let's get into a talk about sports. We were going to start with the Steelers, but since Rob was talking about how he was watching his, uh, his stories in some games this past weekend, <laughs> we saw the Saints go down to the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts quarterbacking, which obviously Jalen Hurts, I think, is obviously better than Carson Wentz. But the whole game, me and Rob 
or me and Joey were texting Rob if we had to send over the police like we normally have to do during a Joey Broncos game. Rob, what happened to your Saints this past week? Uh, I think it was a number of things. Most importantly, I think Jalen Hurts happened. You know, they I don't know how much film they had on him from last week, but uh, I, I felt pretty scared going in because he's he's mobile. He's good in the pocket. He can throw. And he demonstrated all those things. Uh, seemed to catch the Saints defense that's been playing well pretty, you know, pretty unawares uh, in a lot of situations. I think Greg Williams was having a hard time. Greg Williams. <laughs> let me back up. He's working, he's working at Walmart yeah. this, this holiday season. Let me, let me back up about 10 years. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, Dennis Allen was having a trouble uh, scheming for him. And he, you know, he poses a lot of different threats and they, they got the running game going, which was really surprising. He had two uh, between him and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, both had over a hundred yards. Yeah. It was, it, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, I, you know, when it gets towards the end of the season like this, you always feel like when your team's kind of chugging along, there's always a couple of trap games waiting in the wings. And I definitely felt this one had the propensity to be that. And it was, uh, step over to the other side of the ball. Again, my, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but Taysom's just, he's not an NFL quarterback. <clears throat> he, he's, he's a, he's a Swiss army knife. You know, I think he can get you some yards, but I, I, you know, the sooner that Drew comes back, the better. I actually found myself wanting them to put J James Winston in, just get the ball downfield, you know? And of course they came out and scored and, you know, they got the, the game close. Of course, the two missed field goals were huge. Will Lutz was a huge disappointment. That's a guy that, that never misses. Um, it was just kind of a, you know, it, it didn't surprise me. It was disappointing, but Taysom Hill's not a, he's not a starting NFL quarterback. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, and no, I'm not actually, you know, I'm, I don't apologize for it. Again, I don't have <laughs> anything against the guy personally, but I think his, you know, he, he's pretty easy to defend. He fumbles a lot. He doesn't make, you know, there's a couple of throws that he made. Again, I think if you're a quarterback, even somebody like Jameis Winston, I think would be able to identify when he was, I think he was getting some guys up in his grill and he tossed a ball to uh, uh, Alvin Kamara when he wasn't even looking, you know, just things like that. Overthrown balls, you know, I, I just, there's just too much, there, there's just too much potential for, for bad things to happen. And if he starts this week against Kansas City, then you could probably expect to see some more of that. Yeah, because I think going down the stretch, being down two scores, that defense just didn't look, you know, worried that uh, they were going to stop Taysom Hill because, frankly, he's not a downfield throwing threat. No, and, and he can, but I mean, they had, but did you see all the injuries? I mean, they didn't have any starting corners. Uh, Jalen Mills had to come in from safety and play corner. And I mean, it was, they were, they, they had guys dropping like flies and Fletcher Cox was getting up in there. I can't remember the other. Uh, defensive end that um, that sacked him a couple times. I mean, you know, Armstead was back. I mean, they, the, the the offensive line did not play well. It was kind of a breakdown on both sides of the ball. So I, I hope they got this out of their system at least uh, on the you know defensive side of the the ball and get you know, get back to playing tougher ball like they've been in the past month or so. But man, it was I was pissed and disappointed, but I wasn't all surprised. Yeah, for sure. I kind of felt like this would have been one of those games. And Jalen played great, played great to his credit. He, he, you know, he played awesome and he should be their starting quarterback moving forward. I, yeah, felt, for sure. I felt like he should have been starting all along. The guy's a, a baller. I mean, he played at Alabama and Oklahoma. He's a horse and he should be playing. They should put do, all their money on him. Joey, do you think this is a blip on the Saints radar or do you think this is something that they should be concerned about going into the playoffs? Uh, I, I think it's a blip. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the, the fact that the Chiefs are now 12 and one and, and they lost to the Raiders, the Raiders look like one of the worst football teams in the league right now, especially on defense. So, you know, it shows you that everybody is able to uh, to trip up now and then. But I totally agree with Rob. Taysom Hill is not a starting NFL quarterback. And, you know, it's one thing if you put him in and, and defenses can't figure out, is he gonna, is he a receiver? Is he going to run? Is he going to throw? That's one thing. But this is just another illustration of how good defensive coordinators and just coaches and NFL players are at adjusting. And I think people just figured Taysom Hill out. Even if you look at his wins that he's had, you know, he had some good games, but he also beat the Broncos who literally didn't have a quarterback. 
which is, I won't go into that again. Um, but I think this was one of his first real true tests where he met some adversity. And to his credit, he did, he scored some, led some drives and they scored some points at the end. But the reality, in my opinion, anyway, for the Saints is they're going to go as far as Drew Brees can take them. If he comes back, which I texted you guys this morning, I really hope he does. I would love to see uh, Sunday game Brees against Mahomes. I just think it would be awesome. Um, and I know the league for sure wants that. And I'm, I'm sure Sean Payton wants that too. Um, and it's a big one because I think they're tied with the Packers now, uh, but they have the tiebreaker because they, uh, yeah, they beat them. So yeah, as of now, they got the number one seed. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a blip, but I think they need Breeze back this week. It, if Breeze can't go against the Chiefs, it, it could get ugly fast. Rob, do you think that losing this game to the Eagles is going to force the Saints to get Drew Brees back quicker than they would want? I'm not really sure what's going on in the organization. I don't know, you know, how far along he's in, you know, they've, I've read conflicting reports. Part of me is like, if he's on the fence, don't play him. Yeah. It would, it would suck to lose to, to, to lose this game, but without him, uh, but you know, there's still, there's still two more games in the rest of the season. They got to play the Vikings and the Panthers and then they've got the playoffs. So, you know, resting him probably might not be a bad idea. Yeah, the home field advantage and a week off with the first round by would be awesome to heal up even more. But you don't always get what you want, so you kind of have to play the cards you're dealt. Uh, yeah, God, I'd love to have him back, but man, it, you know he he's a competitor. God knows he wants to come back, and a lot of those guys are just like itching to get back. And um, you know, I don't know how long it takes ribs to heal, but there he had eleven <laughs> fractures and a collapsed punctured lung. Man, that just. And he's no spring chicken. Uh, you know, of course, God selfishly, I would love to have him back, but I'm I'm of the opinion that if he's if he's not, you know, full or at least close to like ninety percent, rest him. You know, yeah. And plus, and plus, I think they've already clinched a playoff spot. Correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. definitely in. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. So, and plus, I think that we're kind of uh, like looking past the facts sometimes about the defense and the O line for the Eagles seemed rejuvenated with. Hurts coming in as quarterback, and plus, what like I think the Eagles are still in contention to to win the division now, right? Yeah, I think I, th- I think that division is still up and up for grabs. Because yeah, I mean, like there's some people who are kind of free- freaking out about the Saints, but it's like yeah, I mean, like it was a huge game for them when the Saints have Drew Brees on the shelf and they've already clinched a playoff spot. You know, like the Eagles are playing for their lives right now, and to have J- Jalen Hurts come in, like I think that was a shot in the arm to that team to maybe you know make a run to win that terrible like NFC East. I think, I think also this is a good, if you, if you step back and look at the league as a whole, this is why the NFL is the most popular league there is, is because on any given Sunday, any team can beat anybody except, except the Jets. Uh, (laughs) But outside of that, it's just, you know, it's like, it's like Rob was saying and not being totally surprised. You've got Jalen hurts kind of coming off the bench. He's all these, all this success in college. And he comes in and the team's rejuvenated. And the Eagles, they're still an NFL team. They still have a lot of talented players. It's what makes the league so so great to me and truly what makes it just totally wide open again, other than the Jets. All right, and welcome back. And we are joined by Nashville Sports Talk Radio legend and the voice of the National Predators, Willie Donick. Willie, thanks for being here joining us today. First off, we are all musicians, so we have to ask you this first. What is the best concert that you've seen in Nashville? And what is the best guilty pleasure concert that you've ever been to for an artist that you may not want people to know that you listen to? Wow. Okay. Tough, tough call on the first one because I've seen a lot of them. You know, I think the venue has to be factored in there. I will take I will, I will go a little bit mainstream with my answer on the first one. I, I saw Coldplay in uh, in the arena. I've seen them a couple different times, but in the arena, I think was really, really good. I'm going to say that was around 2008, 2009. I thought that was a great show. As far as the guilty pleasure, wow, man. Or it could be a, uh, or maybe like a guilty pleasure artist that's on your phone playlist that you may not broadcast to the world. I've got a lot of those. I've got a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you who, I, I don't know. I, I, I love the 80s. I'm always uh, in the 80s. And there's some some songs that come up on my rotation where I, I definitely 
I'm glad I'm by myself <laughs> in the car. I think one, one that comes to mind, it's not, it's not any go-to. I think if you ask me on a different day, I might give you a different artist every day, but I've had a lot of Billy Ocean pop up. We used to have a lot of fun with Billy. When I uh, graduated from Vanderbilt and I eventually got on the radio team later in the nineties, it was the prime time Billy Ocean just disappearing from the, the charts. Nobody ever listened to him and his name popped back up. And I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. And the, the current players at the time who were in college, they had no idea. They, they just completely shredded me <laughs> for enjoying Billy Ocean. That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a good one. Nothing wrong with, you know, nothing wrong with Billy Ocean every now and then. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, come on, get out of my dreams and into my car. That's a freaking, that's a, uh, that's a banger as the oh, kids yeah. would like to say these days. That's a banger. Every now and then you visit the love zone Oh yeah, or, you know, Caribbean queen. <laughs> Caribbean queen. Yeah. Yep. There you Nothing go. Wrong. I was at that. I was at that Coldplay show. It was great when they had the, whatever their big hit was, the thing where he would just hit the, uh, like the big marching drum. They did it at the back of the arena, like the lights went on and they were just, he was hitting at the back of the arena. It was, that was a good show. They put on a good show. I saw you two at Vanderbilt Stadium. Uh, I don't know how many years ago that was. The years are starting to run together for me, but that was, I thought, right up there. That, that was a strong one. Good venue. You know, they, I think from what I was told, you know, it was going to be maybe at the Titans Stadium. They couldn't work it out. I think they had another concert scheduled originally on the same night. So Vanderbilt took it, but I just thought the, the way that the, that stadium is built, there were no bad seats. You know, it was almost like a complete circular experience. I thought that was a really well set up deal. Willie, when you were at that show, were you like in the bleachers or were you on the field? I was, uh, I think I was literally in the first row. If you're, if you're sitting at a football game at Vanderbilt, the open end of the stadium on the Vanderbilt sideline, I was right in that corner. And so when we walked to our seats, I was like, oh, man, this may not be the best place to watch it. But it ended up working out really, really well. I, I thought, you know, sometimes you go to a show like that and you're not in the best position in a stadium. But that ended up being fine because they they made it a point to really go to all corners of the stadium to sort of perform in front of uh, every part of the audience. I thought that was really cool. I was at that show. The reason I was asking is I was about two rows up from the top maybe down towards the opposing uh, 30 yard line. And uh, those bleachers are a little, uh, little, little crammed. I'm six, four. And uh, after about two, you know, $85 beers, uh, I just had to hold it because uh, my wife was like, if you leave, I don't know how you're going to get back in here. And it was, and we actually had to leave. As soon as they started the last song of their encore, we had to run to our cars because our babysitter was had to go. And we're like, we're never going to get out of here in enough time. That was a great show. That was. Yeah, Willie, I, I uh, well, first of all, I know you had said that you, um, uh, I know you were broadcasting the Vanderbilt football game, and I think you're doing the the next game as well. And I, I wanted to know, especially being father of, of a daughter, uh, what that was like, the, the Sarah Fuller experience, getting to see that in person, what that means for the team, what it's meant for the team and the university. I know it probably wasn't quite as effective with the crowd being so sparse, uh, but you know, as a father of three daughters, it was so awesome to see, uh, to watch just the pride and joy on our parents, to watch the way the team rallied around her and got excited with her. And I just want to get your take on what it was like to be a part of that. I, I felt very fortunate to be able to be a part of that because it, it was a little right place at the right time for me to even be involved on that level, just with, you know, me basically coming in to fill in for a couple of games and have a chance to do it. And then almost waiting for two weeks. Remember a couple of weeks ago, she was dressed out and ready to play against Missouri. She got to kick off the one time, but it, I, I know it was very frustrating, including to myself that we didn't get a chance to see her do it there, but it might've been a good thing. We had a chance to interview her on our, interview her on our radio show late last week before the game. And one of the things I wanted to ask her was, you know, now she had a chance then to practice for like two extra weeks. She was sort of thrown in there out of complete desperation. But you think about just doing something, repetition, just music or anything you do, the more reps you get, the better you get. And she said, without question, she improved a lot. So I just, I was really admiring her confidence as you watched her with those two extra points. 
I mean, she just, you knew she was going to make him as she ran out to the field. You didn't have any uneasy feeling at all. I think she's handled herself extremely well. Her messaging when uh, being asked all those questions, just wisdom beyond her years. So I think she's the right person to have gone through that. So I made it a point when I knew I was going to call the game, I wanted to ask behind the scenes as much as I could, hey, where should I be ready for her to come in and kick? Because as the announcer, the one thing you don't want to do is blow it when you have a historical call like that. So I knew if she got a chance to kick that I wanted to be ready for it. So I felt pretty good about it. And um, like I said, that it, you know, it got on Sports Center because of it. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Sometimes you just hear uh, the call. ESPN had the rights to the game, so they didn't have to play our call of it. So that was really cool for me just to be attached to that big moment. Because like you said, you know, Joe, I have a daughter. She she is a, a goalie for USN, a goalkeeper, just like Sarah is. And they have a connection. The assistant coach for Vanderbilt soccer team is uh, Ken Masur. His wife, Megan, is Evie's coach at USN. She's the head coach. So that was really cool to sort of see how that all went together. I know Evie was was uh, keeping tabs on what was going to happen there and really, really excited for Sarah when she kicked that one. That's so cool, man. And we were watching. It was such a neat perspective to hear, especially from my youngest daughter, Opal, who just turned 11. The excitement in her face when she said, oh my gosh, you know, when I said they're in scoring range or they, they may score, which was like watching paint dry, seeing them try to score against Missouri. <laughs> we were all texting each other like, they're almost to the 50. And that was painful. So all I wanted, all I wanted was a chance for her to kick. And uh, it was just so wonderful to get to watch that. And what a cool experience, man, to get to get to, I mean, truly be a part of history right now. Being able to call that is is awesome, man. So cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It is something that I'll I'll definitely keep in the archives. You know, you're, there's always those moments that, that will stick with you. That's definitely going to be one of them. Willie, I, I just realized when we were sitting here talking about music in the eighties, you know, I've been, first of all, I'm a big fan of you and Darren. I've been listening to you guys for, for years and I really love what you do and your perspectives and the informed, you know, content that you guys bring. And I really appreciate it. But I was sitting here, I was like, man, I've been listening to, to Willie for a long time, you know, on, on the radio shows and then calling Preds games. It was like, I can't remember the last time I actually physically saw him in, in person. And I remembered the last time I saw you was on the court of Memorial gym <laughs> back when you used to play for Vanderbilt back in the, the Scott Droud days. Oh yeah. There those, you go. those were such fun teams. I remember. I, and, and it's funny cause I, I went to the game where Scott hit the first Vandy's first ever three pointer. And I didn't realize until a couple of years later, I was talking to my buddy who I went to the game with. And he was like, you realize we were at that game. And I was like, really? I don't remember them talking about it. So anyway, I love those teams. If you guys, if you've never been to a game at Memorial, it's, it's so much fun. It's such old school uh, experience. It's a great, but I'm going to ask you about something that happened yesterday and you guys, and, and you'll have to forgive me. I, I didn't listen to the Darren Donick and Chase show today. So I, you, you probably covered this, but uh, why was Derek Henry playing in the second half yesterday? First of all, I'll say this. I think Vrabel's a really good coach. I like what he's done. I'm not a huge Titans fan, but I definitely pull for him. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Teron Davenport asked him a question at the Monday Morning Presser about, specifically about Derek's reps and, you know, that magic number. I think it's like 360 or 370. 370. Yeah, 370. Yeah. And he gave a very kind of terse, truculent answer. And I remember you guys talking about that. Now, I didn't listen to you guys today or I didn't listen to the, the, the press conference today. But like, I mean, I understand records are important and I would love to see him hit 2,000. I think we all would. He, he's a great player and he's a, yeah. and he's a good dude. But like... I'm just thinking, looking down the pike, you know, you want to keep, you want to keep your horses fresh. You know, why do you think he put him in the game? Well, for, first I have to salute you for remembering Scott Droud. That's uh, it brings back memories for me. I, I was two years behind Scott. So I played with him for two years and I, I think I probably guarded him in practice more than any other player for those two years. He made me a way, way better defensive oh, player yeah. just because I think Scott Droud is probably the most screened for player. In Vanderbilt history, he was a guy that was one of the best yep. ever at catching and shooting off a screen. If he just had a little sliver, yep. he, that's all he needed. He, he was not a guy that was going to beat you one-on-one, no. -on -one, but he was one of the best. So we, we set so many screens for him. I got pretty good at getting around screens just because every day in yeah. practice, I was, I was just going through a maze 
of screens. But th- those were fun days for, for sure. I, I, I'm hoping that the Commodores get good in basketball again really yeah. soon. But let, let me uh, let me tackle the one because it's interesting you mentioned that about Derrick Henry because we talked about that a lot on our show. We've been following this for several weeks because I, I always think that's a big thing. And I'll use a Joe. I know you're a Broncos fan. I'll give you a point of reference that we bring up the 370 carries. Unless your name is Eric Dickerson, there's a, there's a group called uh, football outsiders that put this research project together. Other than Eric Dickerson, who is somehow immune to this, if you hit 370 or more carries in one season, the only exception is Dickerson. You have a big drop off the next year and in almost all the cases, you never again will reach the height uh, of where you hit if you go past that threshold of 370. And right now, Derrick Henry is on pace to be right there. He's going to be between 360 and 370 if he averages over 23, around 23 carries a game for the last three games. But as we know, there are games where to win the game, you might have to give it to him 28, 30 times a game, and that skews the average. So that's a really good point by you, Rob, is because yesterday they, they're up 31 to three and they could have pulled him back, right? They, pr- they probably could have kept the carries around 20 or 21. He got a few extra in this, in the, uh, in the second half and his last carry. I think what I heard Mike Vrabel say today is they were going to give him one shot to see if he could get over 200 yards. And I think that's the dilemma is you have these things that are rarely ever done in the history of the NFL. That was his fourth uh, 200-yard game with at least two touchdowns. I, think, I don't think that's ever been done before. Four 200-yard games with two touchdowns or more in each game. 2,000 yards is a real rare thing. Back-to-back rushing titles is a rare thing. And so if Mike Graven was saying today he is aware of uh, some of those historical benchmarks that you can get but also it's got to be aware. He said it's a fine line of trying to protect the asset long term. I mean, you want Derrick Henry to be the same guy next year and the year after. Mike Vrabel is going to be the coach at the same time. But sometimes it's hard to lose sight of the big picture when you're in the moment. So it's a, it's a, it's a great dilemma, I think. And that's why it's perfect for, for sports talk radio. So I, I'm sure you remember Joe back in the day, Terrell Davis, the back to back Broncos Super Bowl teams, the second year. In 1998, he had well over 370. He had 2,000 yards, and then he got hurt the next year. So he's in this club. You go down this list. Earl Campbell's on the list. Jamal Anderson, Eddie George is on the list. Uh, Sean Alexander. There, there's just there's a list of about 30 running backs, and it's pretty eerie when you take a look at the big gear where they cross that 370 carry number, and then what happens the next year and the rest of their career. So it's something that they are aware of for sure. It's just a matter of, you know, how do you go about it from here? And what's and is it worth it mm-hmm. if you if you know you win it one time to jeopardize the future? And is it worth it in the context of the season? You know, I mean, he yeah he could have been injured. Yeah, I mean, thankfully he wasn't. But you know, say he gets tackled weird and somebody rolls up on him and busts up in his ACL or something like that, then he's done for the year. And, oh yeah, and everything and everything kind of hinges on him too, you know. And I think they could have done more. Like I think if they gave it to him four or five more times, he could have maybe gotten 300 yards and that could have been an NFL record for one game, but they they at least didn't go that to that level, right? They they were somewhere in between. How was Vrabel how, how was Vrabel with that question today? Was he appreciative of it <laughs> or or open to the answering it? Yeah, I it's a good question because we know if you listen to Mike Vrabel, he's not he is not the most engaging in the press conferences. It depends on the mood. But he did, I think, take some time to answer that. And I, I do think he at least spelled out the word he used was fine line. You know, he, he said, for example, an offensive line that's part of, you know, blocking for a rushing champion or blocking for a great runner that hits historic milestones. That's meaningful to the team. So he's aware of that. But he did say we've got to balance that with you know, the long-term goals of the team. And it's just, you know, for this season as a goal, but I, I do think he's smart to think about, hey, what, what's Derrick Henry going to be looking like next year? I want to make sure to protect this asset for as long as I possibly can because he is a weapon that is right up there with any of the top weapons in the league. Yeah, that's interesting, although a little bit painful that Terrell Davis uh, reminded me of how great he was. That was a great point you made about the offensive line. Mark Schlereth, 
has said many times that when they were coming down to that last game against the Seahawks in 98, he, he pretty much said they told Shanahan it's going to be a mutiny. Like if you don't, I think he needed 160-something, 163. He said, if you, don't, if you don't let them get it, basically we're not going to block. <laughs> and so they did it. They got, him to, they got him to 2,000. And the worst part about Davis's injury, that's really interesting. I'm going to go back and look at those other backs. But his injury was on a freaking interception that Brian Greasy threw, who was Elway's replacement. And Terrell Davis uh, tried to make a tackle and got and tore up his knee and was never the same. He made he came back and but it was just never the same. So it's an interesting point that you make, especially about how much it means to the offensive line. Yeah, because it is something special. You know, it's not it's it's hard to do, especially in this day and age. It seems like people are impressed with a thousand yards. I mean, two thousand is it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So I think if they're if he keeps running the way he normally runs. And considering the teams they're playing, they might be faced with that same thing that Terrell Davis had. Is two thousand could be in reach, but to do it, you're gonna you might have to push it past the three seventy. That's 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 the trick. So what will they do? It's it's the question. So Willie, which version of the Titans do you think that like we will see going into the playoffs? Because like we kind of see the Titans absolutely dominate some teams this year. And then, like, I think that we've kind of been, like, lackluster in certain areas and certain games. I mean, like, especially, like, against the Browns. Uh, and plus, like, I remember watching that Browns game, and that was just kind of just, like, mind-blowing in the first half. You know, like, whoa, hold on. This is not what we're used to in town um, this season. So, uh, like, if the Titans make the playoffs, what version of the Titans do you think that we will see going forward? And what do you think that they will lean on more? Yeah, I, th- I think we, that's another thing that makes this team compelling and really makes the NFL compelling because. Every time you think you've got somebody figured out, they, they look completely different on a Sunday. But let's take the Saints yesterday. Yeah, you know that that's a team that has been cruising through everybody. And the Eagles had had all kinds of problems, and the Eagles almost won the game easily. The the Saints were almost lucky to get back into the game. So there there are some games every Sunday that you can't quite explain why why you're seeing what you're seeing. That's what. You know, why you can't take for granted that the Titans went out and won easily yesterday, even though it was Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville has been playing some teams really, really close. So I don't know if we can possibly know the answer. I, I feel like Mike Brable, though, is really good at understanding that aspect of the parity in the NFL. It's all designed for everybody to be equal. There's not that much difference, even from the best team to the worst team. I hope the answer is that they can put their best foot forward which would be elite offense, one of the best in the league, and maybe just good enough defense. I think that's probably best case scenario. We know that the defense uh, doesn't have big names that are going to just change the game. They were hoping to get that with Jadavion Clowney. I think it just didn't work out. He wasn't healthy. They, they lack some star power and talent on defense. So it's going to be a question of how much they can mask that. Uh, with great offensive play. And I think one thing that's encouraging is the special teams, which were a, a big weakness early in the season, look like they're coming around a little bit. So hopefully they can hang on to the division, get a home game or two. Uh, so maybe you don't have to play the Chiefs the first or second game. Uh, that would certainly help uh, your chances. But it, it that, it's what's compelling about this league. It, 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 I give them credit. I, I think they have taken a step forward from last year. They're no longer that edgy, you know, just barely getting in nine and seven. I think they're going to be in, but uh, man, that defense, you know, you, you could have that one bad game. If the offense uh, isn't at their best, you know, you can, you see what we've seen, what can happen, right? They can lose to almost anybody. They lost to the Bengals. <laughs> hey, Willie, I wanted, we just, we were all kind of talking about, I, I will admit I'm a newer living most of my life in Seattle. I'm a newer hockey fan. This is the most, I think I kind of, I finally understand what icing and offsides are kind of, but Scotty and a bunch of guys on the road are huge hockey fans. And especially since we've been off the road and and I got really into it when it started up again, we, the three of us were talking about and wanted to get your take on what is it like calling a hockey game? You know, it's, when I think about baseball or football, I guess basketball would be closer, but there's just no downtime in a hockey game. And you, especially when you're dealing with, I'm sure with the Preds, you get to know players by their numbers, but especially when it comes to the opposing team, did it take a while for the game to slow down enough to be able to see it and be able to announce it? Or was that, I just wanted to get your thoughts on 
what it's like calling a hockey game because you do it so well. It's so easy to understand who you're talking about all the time. It's impressive. Uh, but I just wanted to get your take on, on what that's like. The first thing you said, uh, you know, being from Seattle, I'm really excited. Seattle's coming into the league. So selfishly, that's a city that I've never been to, but I've heard so many great things about. I cannot wait uh, to go check it out because uh, I think they're going to do that upright. That's uh, it just if Vegas is any indication, too. They're setting it up now. The expansion teams have a chance to be good right away. I wish that were the case with Nashville. <laughs> but at the same time, I think the, the Predators are benefiting from having to build it slowly and, and just bringing people in, building that foundation and not getting spoiled early. It, you know, We had to really work hard to get to the point where it is what it is today. And I had to learn, I did have to learn a lot. Uh, it took me a while to learn the game. It wasn't something I grew up with. Uh, I tried to take references from other sports and try to put it in those terms to me. You know, what translates? What are some of the principles that you see in other sports that apply to hockey? Even though I wasn't familiar with, you know, the nuances of the game. Like you mentioned offsides and icing. When you're uh, watching the game, those are the two rules. Like once you, kind of get what that is, it, the picture becomes a lot clearer. And then you just start learning on, you know, which players do the, which players do what, you know, what is the role of each guy? Just like you learn what's the role of the quarterback, what's the role of the tight end, all of that stuff. You start, that starts to make sense more over time, but it is, it is a unique sport. I do think it's the hardest sport to call as a play-by-play announcer because it is a constant flow. Uh, the one thing you don't really have time to do that I wish you had more time to do would be to sort of put in some layers of, uh, you know, some storytelling to, to really tell the background of what some of the players are like, what they're about. Sometimes I feel like you could use a little bit more baseball where you have tons of time to, to tell stories and get into, you know, a background of a particular player or something happens in a game that reminds you of something that happened five years ago or 10 years ago. That's the beauty of baseball is it's almost like a talk show. You're, you're calling the game. You have to anticipate when the action is going to happen, but the action may not happen for a while. Whereas you can't take your eye off the hockey game. You can't get distracted because as soon as you start telling something away from what's happening in that moment while the play is going on, the big moment in the game could happen and you get behind. So it, it is uh, really straightforward is you know, when the, when the puck is in play, you've got to really concentrate exactly on, you know, what's happening in that moment. And then, of course, between whistles, there's not a whole lot of time. And so that's when the color guy's got to, he's got to be very quick and concise with his analysis. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> I'm super excited about the, is it the Kraken. Bold choice of nicknames oh, yeah. for sure. And that, you know, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen some of the logos and stuff. It's, it is out there, but I like that. Yeah. They, when when Seattle got the Sounders, it was after we moved to Nashville. And the first time I went back, my buddy had season tickets and he said, hey, you want to go to Sounders game? I, thought, I mean, I, I didn't know much about soccer, but I went. And at one point I was like, when do we sit down? And he's like, nobody sits down. And it was it was insane. And they I mean, this was this was nine or 10 years ago before. I know they lost on Saturday, the MLS Cup. But the way that I think it's a combination of Seattle losing the Sonics. The Mariners had just been breaking people's hearts for 40 years. The Seahawks for so many years were so bad. It's like, I, I think they're going to go nuts for that hockey team. I think it's going to be a blast. And man, you are going to, I'll have to tell you some places you need to see in Seattle. I mean, you, it'd be so awesome if, you, if, it was, if it lined up schedule-wise, we could spend a couple of days there because it, it's just, there's no city like it uh, in the world. And uh, well, at least in the country that I've seen. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun for sure. Well, that, that I'm sure is a shared experience you guys know when you're on the road. It, it is sometimes it can be a whirlwind where you're in a city and you're like, man, this is a great city, but I wish I had time to go check it out. And you're, you're in the grind and you're like, I, I just got to get ready for the gig. You know, we got the gig tonight. I don't have time to walk around. But when you do get that moment or that little lull in the schedule where you're there for a day and you have a, a day off, that's when it's really fun to be able to check that out. So. That's that's a, a great thing about the NHL. We go to some great cities and get a chance to get to know them, at least to some degree. So that that's one I'm really looking forward to. I had never really been I had never been to Vegas before Vegas came into the league, and everyone's like, I can't believe you haven't been to Vegas. You know, <laughs> I've been there a few times. 
Yeah, because it seems like doing country music, it seems like we're there like at least four times a year doing something. Yeah. So, man, that's surprising. Yeah, staying on the the hockey uh, front here, uh, NHL is supposed to start back up. Is it January? Is it 13th? That's when they're hoping, hoping for. for. Yeah, it, it hasn't become official yet. And I, I keep checking every day. I'm hoping they, that they come through with that plan because it could get pushed back a little bit, but that's the goal. So what would you... Now, on you know, we obviously started back in the summer with the playoffs and the bubbles and Toronto and Edmonton. So, moving forward with a regular season, I think I think I read where they're going to try to play in between like fifty and fifty six games. Is that correct? At least for now. Are they, as far as the COVID protocols? I'm assuming no fans or limited fan participation. I'm I haven't delved real deep into it, but. Obviously, they're looking looking to go forward and start in January. What do you think is they're going to be their biggest obstacle, as far as like because they did them and the NBA did such great jobs. Granted, they they had these bubbles, but them not having to deal with that prior. What do you think is going to be their biggest obstacle in having a full season in playoffs? Yeah, I, I it's a great question because the bubble you know works, they and, but it's a huge investment not only in dollars to create the environment, but also just the sacrifice that the players have to make to just go into that thing and you can't come out. Uh, so they knew it wasn't viable to do for a whole season, uh, but I thought they all did a tremendous job to come together and be able to complete the season uh, last year because that was not a given for sure. Same thing with the NBA. Uh, so for this year, I think they're they're – these are the things I think they're trying to hammer out the details on now. For example, Canada has some very strict rules on travel. So that's going to make the Canadian teams have to play amongst each other probably for the whole season. Uh, they'll have their own division and they'll just play each other. They'll be tired of each other, I'm oh, sure, wow. by the end of the year. And that will be uh, the case with the – they'll make three other divisions in the States – and so Nashville will be in a division with a couple of teams that are normally in the Eastern Conference, and they'll play just those teams a little bit like baseball did in their abbreviated season. So they're going to try to limit the travel miles wise, but the way the team, the way the map works, a team like St. Louis or Minnesota that's in the central time zone or, or Dallas, one or two of those teams is going to have to play with the teams that are out west. So they're, I'm sure they're, they get the short end of the stick. They're still going to be traveling a lot because that's the thing. That's something that obviously you're worried about with the virus. The travel is something that you want to, you know, certainly could spread it. So you're hit on the other thing. They can't have, in a lot of cases, any fans. It depends on the city. There might be some cities that can have a percentage of fans in there. That is affecting how much revenue they can bring in. And then, of course, all of the testing for the players on a daily basis or every other day, I'm not sure what they'll end up doing. I know the NFL players get tested every single day when they come into the facility. And so that's a lot of resources to put in there. And you still are going to have probably some games that get canceled or having to get rescheduled. So I think that's the other thing they're going to build into the schedule is some flexibility to where if you miss some games here or there, you have an opportunity to make them up down the road somewhere down the line. So it's very complicated. I think the idea is hopefully as you go forward and more and more people in theory get vaccinated, that maybe at some point in the season, you could start having more and more fans in there. And then I think the ultimate goal is finish the season and then fingers crossed, have a normal routine uh, for the 21-22 season. One last question, Willie. So like in your time of calling hockey, which player's name like have you had the most <laughs> problem with pronouncing? Man, I'll tell you. Or trouble getting out on air. It's definitely, uh, I, I think, see, they, here the, the players all come from Canada, U.S., and of course within those, there's always a tricky one here and there. Then there's a lot of Swedes, a lot of Finns, Russians, but I think the hardest one, clearly, if you ask me, is is the Czechs. Mm -hmm. uh, the guys <laughs> yeah. from the Czech Republic, it could be anything and everything. It, it, it never sounds like it looks. And the dilemma you get into a lot, when the players come over, they're usually kids. You know, they're 21, 22 years old. Most of them are very polite. Maybe they don't speak English really well. And so when they first are introducing themselves, 
in their mind, are, they're thinking, so how should I say my name? Because people here, do, do I Americanize my name or do I say it sort of in my native tongue? Depending on which country, and I think the Czechs, if you say it in the native tongue, it doesn't sound anything like it would if it's Americanized. So there was a guy named, you guys, I don't know if you go, go that far back with the Predators. There was a guy named Merrick. And if you look at in Americanized, it would be Zidlicky, right? Z-I-D, this, it looks yeah. straight up. He's from the Czech, Czech Republic. But if you say it in Czech, you don't say the Z. You say Zidlicky or Zidlitsky. So if you're really being strict in the Czech, it was Zidlitsky. And so he didn't really do very many interviews. And I swear he was with the Predators for three, four, five seasons. And we said something different every year because it depended on what mood he was in or who he talked to of which way he wanted to say it. And he played in the league. He played for other teams as well. And it, it was always funny when he went to another team, it would be back to Zidlicky. It could be Zidlitsky. It could be Zidlitsky, you know, cause something in between. So that's what becomes real frustrating is which way do you want to say it? So there's another guy uh, that plays today. His name is spelled P-A-N-I-K. Okay, his first name is Richard. That's easy enough. So, But it's either panic if it's Americanized, or if you're going to do a check, it's panic. So I swear he gets traded from one team to another. He's called panic on one team and panic on the other team. And now he's gone back to panic. It just doesn't, you never know with, with those guys. But that's what's frustrating is because you want consistency, but it just doesn't ever turn out that way uh, when, when you get it. Because by, by and large, the guys are too polite to correct you right out of the gate when they're, when you're wrong, because they just don't want to upset the apple cart. So it, it could get down the road the wrong way and it stays wrong for years until the guy gets to a point in his career where he's thinking, you know, maybe I ought to tell people how to really pronounce my name now after five or six years. <laughs> yeah, because that was going to be my follow-up is, uh, yeah, I mean, like, has there ever been a player that's like, hey, man, it's this, and you've been saying like this for years. Okay. <laughs> Come on. It, absolutely. There's a funny story. Um, there was a guy drafted by the Predators and another Czech, E-R-A-T, Martin Erat. <laughs> Erat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Martin Erat. Yeah. For years and years, Erat, from the very, very start. And he made the Olympic team in 2006 for the Czech Republic. And so there was a media member from the Czech Republic that came to watch him play for a couple of games because we had Thomas Fokun as well, another Czech. So two players that were going to play for the Olympic team. So they came to watch the Predators for some games. They, and this guy comes up to us and he tells Pete Weber, our broadcast, uh, you know, the voice of the Predators. He said, you know, you've actually been saying his name wrong for all these years. It's actually Erat. When you, when you say it in the Czech Republic, it's nothing like ERAT, right? So for an American, you see E-R-A-T and you're used to it. And he'd been with the team for five years or something like that. So for one game, Pete Weber and Terry Crisp, and I just followed suit. I was doing the, uh, the in-between period stuff, pregame and postgame on the radio. They started calling him Martin Erat. Now you talk about Terry Crisp is one of the funniest guys. He is old school. Love Crispy. He's he awesome. Crispy doesn't pay much attention to the pronunciation. <laughs> He's so he good. Does. So, but he was trying to do it. And so after one game, they really struggled with it, you know, because you, you're in a habit. When you see number 10 get the puck, it's, you know, your brain is going to a certain thing, but they tried. And the guy comes up to them the next day from the Czech Republic. He says, guys, just go back to you. <laughs> it was, I know you tried. Forget, forget I said anything. And Martin was the same way. Marty Erat, who lives, he lives in Nashville today. I guarantee you, nobody's going up in Nashville at the grocery store saying, "Hey, Mister Erat." You know, they're 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 saying Erat for sure. <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking of thinking of Crispy, like just him saying that. Oh yeah, you know, just like that. that that's a funny story. Wow. All right, Willie, man. Like we don't want to take too much more of your time, but thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, yeah, man, hopefully you'll come back on sooner than later, maybe break down some NFL playoffs or something like that with us. Oh, anytime, anytime. This was fun. I, I love the crossover between sports and music. We, we do it all the time on our show. So this has been a lot of, this has been a lot of fun. So anytime you guys want to have. Anytime you want to book us to come on and talk about music, just let us know. We'll be right there. <laughs> Get you guys on to roast Fitz, uh, J- Jason Fitz. We're going to, that's going to happen. <laughs> we can 20, we got a, we got a hotline 24 hours a day. You just, Text us, we'll be there. And also, once we get to the 
summer touring and we get playing shows again, you have to come out and come out to some shows. Oh, no question. I'd love it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Maybe one day we can get that sweet 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift <laughs> graveyard. That'd be great. It's open. It's open if you want it. <laughs> it's, it's always open. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. Appreciate it, man. Pod damn it. Pod damn it. Pod damn it. All right. And we're back. I hope you all enjoy that interview with Willie. He's a great person, great man. And uh, it's time to move on to our favorite segment of the week. We have Pod Damn It. And Rob Mitchell, do you want to go first? I think I know what yours might be. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? Here, here's, a, here's a different spin on the Pod Damn It. it it's more of a, it's, it could be a pause, damn it. I don't really know how you could look at it. But anyway, uh, we all saw the Florida LSU game. And it was uh, entertaining. Pretty good football game, I would say, overall. I mean, LSU won. Um, LSU, <laughs> as we'll see in a moment. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the defensive back's name. So basically, uh, they're tied. Uh, LSU's going down to score or trying to score to, to, to go ahead. And um, they get stopped on a third down, kind of on a slant route to the, to the tight end. And he gets tackled. Uh, by two defensive backs and one guy decides to pull his shoe off and throw it 20 yards down the field, which he got at an unsportsmanlike and that extended the drive and went down and kicked the field goal. I think it was a 57 yarder Cade York hit, which was amazing in the fog. I guess maybe my pod damn it goes out to, to, to Dan Mullen or, or the defensive back coach. It's like, how do you not have that kind of, control over your players. Like I know it's an emotional game and stuff happens and you get excited, but like, that's just, that's really kind of unthinkable behavior. I mean, like, like, you know, you've just stopped the team that's trying to beat you. And now you could probably pretty much, you know, Trask pretty much had his way all, all night with the, with the LSU defense. Cause it was decimated pretty much. know you were going to go down and score and the game was yours. It was, you know, whether it was a touchdown or field goal, and you pull something like that, I would, if I was a coach, I would have been furious with that kid. I would have, I would have, I would like, you're not playing the rest of the season. I, I would have been furious. So I, I don't know. I just, I see things like that and I just wonder, you know, what are they, what are they coaching these kids? Cause that's just, I've never seen anything like that before. You know? Yeah. We've seen guys like Miles Garrett pulling, pulling the guy's helmet off and, you know, things we, we see horrible things happen like that, but that just seems so avoidable. Like all you have to do is just get up and, and, and go to the sideline and your team's going to win. That's all you had to do, but no, you had to throw the guy's shoe. I, I was just, I mean, granted, I was happy he did <laughs> at the same time. I just, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Dan Mullen and his, you know, his staff and I'm like, Wow. You know, I know, I know they don't have to have classes on why not to throw someone's shoe, but just like, just the overall sportsmanship. It's like, I, I don't know. I just see a lot. I see a, a, a lot of guys more and more celebrating, you know, stopping people on, you know, second downs and stuff like that. It just seems like, come on, just play the game, celebrate when you win. I don't know. That's my pod damn. I don't know if it makes sense, but I, I'm definitely glad that it happened, but it's still just kind of per- perplexing that it did good for LSU. It was kind of a meaningless win. It's not going to really help them. They're not going anywhere in the postseason, but no bowl games, but, uh, so you mean that like LSU doesn't want to play in the, the Myrtle beach bowl, like Appalachian state is <laughs> this year. I mean, they always have new ones each year, but I, I don't think I've heard of, I don't think I've heard of that one. Well, I mean, <laughs> the pets.com Bojangles, uh, Myrtle beach, Appalachian state bowl. For a fact, I know that the bowl game is in Myrtle beach. I just, no, it's actually called the Myrtle Beach Bowl. God. Wow, there you go. Yeah, mm. just everything's just yeah. What are those graphics going to look like? Uh, we're uh, we're playing the North Texas Mean Green. Oh, you can't. Oh, see there they are. But uh, yeah, I guess I'll go next. Uh, my pod damage short, uh, and uh, mine is on uh, Mother Nature in Nashville. I don't mind when it's freezing cold outside, just as long as the sun's out. If it's gray and rainy, and then it's freezing cold on top of that. I absolutely hate it. So mother nature, please get your shit together in Nashville. That'd be great. Also, I actually went for a run at the greenway, what, two days ago. And I came back and for some reason there was something out there, just like allergy attack. And my eyes have been red for the past two days, which has been great. And like, I know it's not pink eye because I mean, I wash my hands and everything like a million times a day because of COVID. So mother nature, please natural allergies and just, just make it sunny when it's really cold outside. That would be great for me. 
that would lift my spirits up immensely. Pod damn it, Mother Nature. Come on. Kyle, you, uh, I got the place you need to move to, man. Seattle. This Seattle. time of year, it's just, it's just right up your alley, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of rain. What? I think it's dark by about 3 p.m. Like, listen to Elliot Smith all day. I mean, like, at least there's, you know, nice scenery up there. Nashville's kind That's of, true. you know. That's true. Nashville's <laughs> so ugly and when everything's dead. It is. I was thinking of this when I was, was driving into your neighborhood last week. Because the fall is so beautiful in Nashville. And then it's, I, I always feel like it's like a switch goes off and everything dies on the same day. All the leaves fall on the same day. Like it's just, it's just awful. And then in the spring, it'll be beautiful again. And yeah, but this is, this is rough. Yeah. Joey, pod damn it. Okay. So my pod damn it, uh, it also has to do with the, the Florida LSU game. Um, to piggyback slightly on Rob's, the shoe thing was so unbelievable. Um, even when I saw it happen and they threw the flag, when they went back and actually showed, I, I th- from what I remember, the announcer sounded like they didn't even really know what had happened. Like one of them said, oh. It happened really fast. And plus with the fog, it was just. Yeah, bad. he's like, I think he might've thrown his shoe. And then when you see it, it's just, it was just truly unbelievable. So that was frustrating. My pod, damn it. And I, this may be a first in our podcast, I'm actually doing a repeat of one of yours, Kyle, from very early on in the year. The length of college football games. <laughs> oh. it was, that game was so long that I had myself convinced that it started at 7 Central when it was 9.30 and it was still yeah. in the third quarter. Then I looked it at my phone. And I think I texted you guys and Rob goes, yep, this game started at 6. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we're not in overtime. There weren't any... Uh, you know, technical difficulties. It could have gone to overtime and it could have have been a five hour game. It's just, they've got to do something different. When it went to halftime, I turned another game on. I got up to do something in the kitchen. In my head, it took about 20 minutes. I came back and it was still halftime. Um, (laughs) It's ridiculous. They, they review so many calls. It's unbelievable. It's like the NFL started instant replay. And then college kind of dipped their toes in. And then they just went into, if there's anything that we're not 100% on, if it's a one-yard gain or a two-yard gain, let's, let's, let's put it under further review. It is painful. And we all know how much we all love football. But that is, and that was a great game too, let alone if you're watching a game, if you're watching your team and it's not close or it's a blowout, it's a boring game and it's taken that long, they, they have got to change something on that. That, that. That's awful. Kyle, I should have listened to you back in September when you called it out. You said it was out of control. I was optimistic about a lot of things in September, but here, here it is. <laughs> it's dark and gray and cold in December. And those football college football games are too freaking long. Just, just, just yeah. please, please college football, shorten your halftime and stop reviewing so many calls. It's ridiculous. God damn it. Yeah, because because being back in college, you know, going to those football games, you know, that were like four, four and a half hours long. I guess it didn't feel that long just because you're a college kid and you're probably hammered drunk at the game. You're just like, oh, this is great. Oh, the game flew by fast. But yeah, when you're an adult and you're, you know, and you have a bunch of things to do and you're just like, I just want to watch two and a half hours of football or three hours, you know, of a football game. And you look down and you're just like, this game's like four and a half hours long. This is absolutely terrible. Well, and they're going to, you know, they're showing the same ridiculous holiday commercials where the husband and wife somehow bought each other brand new trucks without the other ones knowing. No one does. Right? (laughs) Yeah. That should be it. Yeah. I I mean, that is like, that's like psychopath (laughs) behavior. Like that, that actually should have been my. They jingle the keys and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, wait a minute, you two. It's always (laughs) snowing like crazy wherever they are. They have like six feet of snow, but they can drive their truck through it. And now I have to watch that commercial every three minutes because you're going to commercial because they're, they're, they're taking a look at the replay. Hey honey, we just, you know, got in about $50,000 worth of debt right now. Yeah. How you oh feeling? no, I did it too. That <laughs> one's mine. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but at least we took, you know, we took part in the Toyota winter, winter sales event. Yeah. So. To take advantage yeah, of the employee can... pricing that they do every year, every, every December. And also, Although to be fair, if you look at the houses these people are living in, if they truly can't afford to live in those houses, maybe that's why they're each buying each other brand new, you know, fifty thousand dollar vehicles. Uh, I want to live in that universe. The, <laughs> the the 
the Toyota, you know, winter sales event <laughs> multiverse, like everybody has a beautiful house and gives each other houses for, I mean, uh, cars for Christmas, because that sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yep. It's just like new cars and West Elm couches. Yeah, there we go. And Coca-Cola. Coca. <laughs> yeah. And hot wings. <laughs> All right. And that wraps up this week's episode of One More Pass. You can follow us at One More Pass on Instagram, at One More Pass on Twitter. Our email is one more pass pod at gmail.com. And Rob, do you have any parting words for our listeners this week? Uh, please wear your mask. Be kind to everyone because everyone's going through it. And Taysom Hill, take a seat. <laughs> for my sake, my sanity, so I don't have to throw any more shoes at my TV screen. Joey, do you have any words? Agree with Rob. Please wear your mask. Be kind to people. Uh, reach out to someone if you haven't heard from them in a while. It's, it's a tough time for a lot of people. Uh, Drew Lock, please be the answer and have a good three games uh, to end the season. And also somebody send in an email because I'm real close to creating, uh, sending an email in from uh, Bronco Joey. <laughs> Bronco Joe. Bronco Joey 69. <laughs> and thanks to Willie Donk for joining us this week. We'll see you all next week. 